As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any related component or bolt-on item. The professionals at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed. Shop online at bteracing.com. The IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular will take place at Keystone Raceway Park in New Alexandria, Pennsylvania, June 7th through the 9th. New to the Summit Sportsman Spectacular in 2019, racers will be able to earn track championship points. Stay tuned for more exciting details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Honey, where are we racing next week? It's time to discuss next week's major events, news, updates, releases, and announcements. It's what's on tap. All right, Luke. We've unfortunately had to do this a number of times over the history of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast and leading the show with a, a very sad note uh, is not what we want to do, but it's definitely something that we need to do in this case. And unfortunately, there was a fatal uh, incident that uh, happened with some racers on the way to Huntsville Dragway last weekend. And uh, it's a family that uh, you're close to in a situation that's near and dear to your heart. And I know you got some thoughts about it. Yeah, this is probably the, the hardest thing that we do on the podcast. We've uh, obviously, we have to address when uh, there are fatal injuries. Specifically, I think everything in the past we've done has been on the racetrack. You know, within the, the sports and racing community, this is the next closest thing, family and route 
to the racetrack. And I don't care how you you slice it. Like uh, as you can imagine, as a listener, uh, this is hard on our end just because the racing community is it's more than a community. I think for most of us, it is a family. And anytime you lose a member of your family, that that hurts. So as difficult as this as this always is, as you alluded to, this one's a little bit more personal for me. Kyle Ellis and his father, Donnie Ellis, are local racers at our local track at uh, I-57 Drag Strip. And it's a tight little place. You've been there, Jed. We, we've got reserved parking you know, for regular events. And uh, they park three spots away from us. They're close family friends. Many of you have seen the Ellis Trucking logo on my cars in the past. Donnie's helped us out as a sponsor in the past. I mean, just what, three weeks ago now, we had my son's sixth birthday party. And uh, Donnie was there. Kyle was there, and um, Kyle's not with us anymore. For those of you that don't know the um, the story, uh, the family left for Huntsville for the the fifty thousand dollar was that the Let's Make a Deal race? Is that what it's called, Jed? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, uh, now you know a week and a half ago, left early on a on a Friday morning. That was Donnie, the the family patriarch, his son Kyle, Kyle's fiance Michael, and Kyle's sister Nikki. Uh, all in a in a big toter home and trailer. Kyle was driving, and uh, apparently, all indications are fell asleep at the wheel. This was I think they left home at like three thirty Friday morning. It's about five thirty Friday morning that the accident happened along Interstate twenty four in Kentucky, and um, Kyle didn't survive. He was just thirty years old. The other members of the vehicle, Michael, Donnie, Nikki, all suffered a variety of uh, relatively severe, in some cases, physical injuries that they'll be recovering from for a long time. I would say the, the, the news hit like a tidal wave, like you would have imagined. Like, it, like I'm sure it hit most of the racing community. And, and in the days since, I've personally, and along with my wife, and this is like Donnie Ellis, that's Kyle's father, and my father-in-law are really close, have been for a long time. So um, my wife kind of basically grew up with Kyle. You know, I mean, they've known each other their whole life. So we've run the gamut of emotions since from sad to mad to grateful in ways for having had him as a part of our life. And I, I guess that's typical when you go through loss like this. And I just think of it from Donnie's standpoint. Again, Donnie was, was Kyle's father. It's just so, so it's, this is the mad aspect comes in, Jed. Like, it just seems so unfair because here's a man that came from nothing. Like, he's worked his whole life to get to where he's at. And all he ever really wanted was to, it's like he's a racer through and through, right? All he ever really wanted was to go racing with his kids, like his son and his daughter, and, and get them interested in the sport. And he was able to do that and worked forever to get this awesome rig where they could go racing and, and they would even just take it to I-57 and finally we we're going to go out of town and have this big racing trip and this was literally the first time that they'd all left home together you know like went further than I-57 drag strip and it was all they ever wanted and this is the reward like it doesn't seem fair you know what I mean it just it's it, it just that's where the anger comes in and then sure. I think about Kyle like I said just 30 years old and um, you might have caught on earlier. I, I said that in the truck was uh, was Kyle and his fiance Michael. So you can put two and two together. Kyle was gay, and he came out about two years ago. And you just have to understand the background there. I mean, think about our area, which is not the most progressive area. I mean, think about you know like Kyle's religious background and 
even you know his, his father Donnie, like Donnie owns a trucking company. So like, just think of the stereotypical over the road trucker, right? Imagine telling that guy, oh yeah, that, that you're gay, and, and then and and the racing community as a whole, like I'll say, I, I think for in large part we're pretty understanding, but like that's not like a generally accepted thing. So. And Kyle fought it like his whole life, right? I mean, he he was married to a woman, and just it never seemed right, obviously. So for him to have the guts to come out, you know, like say two years ago, <laughs> I don't know, man. Just the 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 guts to do that is what sticks out. What I'll always remember about him, right? Because he came to the conclusion was like, hey, this is who I am, and this is what makes me happy. And I don't really give a damn what you or anybody else thinks about it. So I just think, like, as you look back on that, as you're listening, regardless of your feelings on homosexuality, like, you have to respect anybody that has the guts to do that. And that ability to recognize who you are and what makes you happy, regardless of outside opinion, I I think that's something that we all strive for. And if we don't, I think it's something that we should. And few of us ever get there myself included and i think kyle was was farther along than most and although he didn't have long to enjoy it he was out there living his best life and i think that's what i'll remember and then on donnie's end like that's the father donnie made the conscious decision and he struggled with this like as you could probably imagine i was i was privy to some of these conversations donnie made the conscious decision to to love his son through this he didn't understand it, but he loved him through it. And like for most of us, racing really brought that family together. They were closer over the course of the last two years, certainly over the last year, than I think they'd ever been as a father and son. And then, as you could imagine, there's not much making Donnie happy right now. That's understandable. But he'll tell you today. And if I had to guess, he'd be even more adamant about it years from now. He's glad he chose to love Kyle through it, for for who he is, for who he was. And um, I know that, like, I don't, I don't want to stand here and preach because I, I understand that there are issues within families that are irreconcilable. And I'm not here to tell you how to live your life, but for me, that's the takeaway for all this. It's to tell the people that you love that you love them every chance you get. And if you do love them, to reach out, to work through your differences work through it while you can as kind of a, a final i don't know if you guys like a call to action that feels salesy but donnie owns his own business like i said trucking company and he's always done well financially he's a proud proud man and he's not comfortable asking for help but this is the type of situation that can easily break the strongest person right physically emotionally financially and this is a different topic for a different day, so I'm not going to get on a soapbox here, but our healthcare system in this country, it's broken. And it preys on people in Donnie's position, self-employed people who make too much money to qualify for government assistance. Donnie's in the same boat I'd be in if this happened to me, the same boat uh, a lot of you listening would be in. Like he pays out the nose for insurance that push come to shove sucks. It's awful. And they're facing unbelievable costs for Kyle's funeral, medical bills that I've just I've heard through my wife. Like, it's insane what is not covered and the amount of money that is 
not covered. Physical therapy, lost wages, destroyed racing equipment. The list goes on and on and on. So while I realize that there's a lot that we can't fix here, financially we can help. My wife set up a, a GoFundMe account for the family with their blessing, of course. And I would like to encourage you listening to do what you can. All proceeds go directly to the family. I think that's obvious. Like I say, there's little here that we can fix. And, and it almost feels like blasphemy to think that we can help from a financial standpoint, like that it feels almost dirty. But they need the financial help. And it's something that we can do. So again, if you, would, uh, if you would like to donate, if you would like to help out, the easy link we clean this up for the GoFundMe page is thisisbracketracing.com slash Ellis. Uh, that's thisisbracketracing.com slash E-L-L-I-S. Very well said, Luke. I uh, couldn't imagine uh, what Donnie and the family is going through. So thank you for the message. And I know that uh, the family will appreciate it very much. And uh, certainly thoughts and prayers out to Donnie as he recovers from his own injuries in that accident and the rest of the family as they cope with the loss of uh, Kyle. No question. Let's uh, let's move on to brighter topics. Had a lot of racing to get to over the course of the last two weeks, Big Jed. Yeah, tons of it. Uh, we, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago in uh, What's on Tap. We gave run down the list of races uh, that are going to be available or that were going to be available in that two-week span, and there's tons of them. Uh, we won't cover the results at uh, a very close level, but we'll touch on uh, some big winners and some great events as we roll through. We'll start out with uh, the Super Door Car Challenge at Piedmont Dragway, another loose rocker promotion loop that had a great crowd, 237 entries, all door cars, had a great facility, and uh, Michael Beard and Anthony Walton once again put on a wonderful show where Jeff Sarah collected the $10,000 warm-up prize over the young and talented Timothy Fletcher. That was on uh, Friday's 10K warm-up. They also had a $3,000 win gamblers race where they had a nice crowd in that where Tommy Plott got to win over John Matera. Saturday, Sarah. Sarah was behind the wheel of the, the Withrow whip, right? Yeah, he was. Uh, another you know, low to mid-five-second door car there that he has performed extremely well in. And I know that uh, Witherow is always happy to see him get behind the wheel because he earns paydays just about every time. Yeah, that, I think he's one of the, I don't want to say like underrated is not the right word, like the, um, one of the unsung heroes of yeah. big dollar bracket racing over the course of the last two years. Like there is a, if there is anyone that has won more money and or more big races than Jeff Sarah over the last what, year and a half, two years, it's a short, short list. Yeah, no doubt. He always performs well, and the bigger the stage, the better he drives, seemingly. Speaking of big stages, Saturday brought uh, the what those guys were there for, 250 entries strong for $40,000 in door car action. And another guy that's no stranger to the winner's circle, especially in that part of the country, is T.G. Pascal. T.G. Uh, gets the $40,000 win in, I believe, a borrowed ride, borrowed uh, 69 Camaro. I can't remember the owner, but I think T.J. borrowed that, if I remember correctly. Got the win over Chris Dean from right up the road in Sanford, North Carolina. Another huge victory for T.G. Pascal. Always seems to perform extremely well over there, Luke. 
Yeah, is it just me, or does TJ and his brother Michael, do they win every big dollar bracket race in North Carolina? I mean, I'm sure they miss one or two along the way, but it seems like every time we talk about a big dollar race from the Carolinas, we're talking about one of those two. Yeah, what uh, Tommy Plott doesn't win, I believe uh, one, <laughs> one of those guys definitely gets. Uh, they did have another $3,000 win gamblers at the end of Saturday's race, where uh, Brett Nesbitt got the win over again, a gambler's race runner-up, John Matera. He runnered up uh, both of those $3,000 gamblers' races. So, John, oh, that, a couple of pretty good addings. The infamous double runner-up. <laughs> Brett I, Nesbitt. Again. I've been there, John. I feel your pain. Yeah, Brett Nesbitt uh, shut the door on him there with a 14 dead on. and uh, But, John, a couple of nice runner-ups in the gamblers' races. Not too bad for his weekend. Wrapped it up on Sunday, Luke, with another $10,000-to-win race where they were nearly 230 entries strong and Tucker Creech got the win over Kent Sessoms to wrap up uh, what appeared to be another perfect event from Loose Rocker Promotion. So great job by Michael and Anthony. Luke, we had on the list that uh, May the 17th to the 19th in Huntsville, which was the race obviously the Ellis family was headed to, was three tens. Actually, they ended up getting enough entries kind of late to make it a 50 grander. It was kind of up in the air as we were recording the show, but Shortly thereafter, they did get enough entries to make Saturday a 50 grander, and um, that was a really good crowd there. I think they were about 275 entries strong themselves, where Kevin Rodden got the win on Friday. It was a small, uh, just a warm-up race. The 50 grander was on uh, Saturday, and Mike Ludke got the win there to collect a big $50,000 payday at Huntsville Dragway, and then Sunday got rained out i think somewhere right at the end of third round or the beginning of fourth round and whatever racers left uh, i can't remember the number but they split the purse evenly and uh, went to the house but a really good race by the folks there at huntsville i did get to pull off the 50 grander and it was successful enough they're going to schedule another one i believe coming up in august which we'll talk about in a couple of months i'm sure so really good outing there Shouts to Mike Ludke, one of our fellow I-57 drag strip competitors. He's actually from uh, southern tip of Indiana. Been racing a long, long time, Mike Ludke has. Been very successful over the years, but I don't think anything holds a candle to this 50 grand richer behind the wheel of the Hoheimer dragster. So, way to go, Mike. No, and, and very well said, Luke. And I, I probably breezed over that a little too easily, simply That's, because we're so spoiled these days. It is 2019. Yeah. So I realized there's one of these on every corner, but that was fifty grand. <laughs> yeah, that was a fifty thousand dollar win race. They had two hundred seventy five uh, cars, uh, you know, very competitive field and really special accomplishment by Mike Ludke. Uh, although there are tons of fifty granders these days, the, the list of actual winners in those is not extremely large, and Mike put his name on that list, so. I shouldn't have breezed over that as easy as I did, but congratulations, Mike. That that was a very impressive performance. I, Luke, I think it was a hardtail dragster that he won that in, if I remember correctly. Uh, so it's an even, older car. I think it's got shocks on the back, though. I may be wrong, but I, I think it does. Yeah, it, I knew it was a little bit older. Thinking it was hardtail. Either way, great job by Mike and uh, and the folks at Huntsville Dragway TT and Angie put on another great event. And uh, the same weekend, the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular happened at Dragway 42, where top bulb winner was Bob Likens over Joe, oh boy, I don't, uh, is that Susek? 
Whatever it Suchek. is, you better get it right because you're about to have to say it again. Oh, my goodness. There he is again. I'm going to go with Suchek. In the mod class, Joe Suchek got it done. Here, here it comes. Oh, he said, our producer Mark said I nailed it. Perfect. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. So Joe Suchek got the win in mod. So runners up top gets the win in mod over A.J. Buchanan. Uh, pretty impressive there by Mr. Suchek and what appeared to be a, another successful event for the uh, IHRA folks in their new Summit Sportsman Spectacular Series. Great to see that doing well. Let me give you props there, Jed, because I'm just looking at the spelling. I wouldn't have gone with Suchek, and you nailed it. So way to go. Yeah, yeah. I think I missed it the first time, though, but I appreciate you giving me credit for nailing it as I come back and, and did a flip around there. But I, this one right here is tough for me. Antonio Aya. Congelli? Anyway, he won Saturday's Master Race, I guess, in the junior category. Nice work, Antonio. Yeah, and uh, very well done by Antonio. Brandon Buchanan got the win in advanced, and the beginner class uh, had Tyler Norton getting a win. So great job by those young racers on Saturday. Sunday was Seth Jimenez getting the win in junior masters, and Antonio apparently got it done. No, no, it was uh, Roman. Roman got the win and got Roman Iocongeli. Man, that's tough on me. Anyway, great job, little Roman. Well done by the Iocongeli family. Nice work, Antonio and Roman. Yeah. <laughs> that same weekend, Big J, we had a lot of NHRA action. In addition to the International Hot Rod Association, uh, we had some action on the NHRA side. National event in Virginia, a pair of points meets at Norwalk for Division Three and out at Fontana for Division Seven. Let's start with Virginia because it was the national. A couple of ones jumped out to me, a couple of results, I should say. Superstock winner was Broadway Joe. Joe Santangelo. I think we mentioned him again a little bit later in the podcast, so stay tuned for that. But the story, we've buried the lead again, Big Jed. We're, we're <laughs> yeah. what, 25 minutes in. The, the, what, this absolutely should have led the show. Super Comp winner from the Virginia NHRA Nationals was last year's top 10 finisher. Threat to win the championship too late in the season. I am a flag-waving, card-carrying member of the fan club. Of one, Chris Garretson. Chris Garretson, national event winner, Chris Garretson. That's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it, Chris? Chris, with his small block powered 130-ish mile per hour super comp dragster with airplane front tires. Surely it didn't get updated over the winter. It's still got airplane front tires. We're rolling yeah. with that. Super comp winner at Virginia getting the final round victory over Kobe Fuller. Way to go, Chris Garretson. Yeah, very well done, Chris. Uh, super gas. Tom Goldman got to win over Michelle Furr. We all know Michelle always performing well in the super categories. Top dragster was Flava Flav getting it done. Chad Trailer uh, winning over Junior Houston. A couple of really cool guys there in the final. And stock class was Wallace Dent over Joe Lisa. So another What's, great event uh, there. What are the odds? we got to make this happen, Jed. Producer Mark, we to get Chris Garrettson on the show. I mean, this was probably our golden opportunity. He just won. But I, no time is a bad time to get Chris Garrettson on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. I would agree. He's, he's, his story is bound to be wonderful. All right. Write it down. We're on it. <laughs> so, uh, Luke, we move on to the Division Three race that you talked about at Summit Motorsports Park. 
And the show notes here tells me that rain caused a few finals to be postponed, but uh, uh, of note, Bill Smita will be in uh, both the Super Comp and Super Street finals. Uh, I don't know where that's going to be uh, wrapped up. I believe up I saw that testing. those will be resumed in Indy. I believe that's the next NHRA Division Three event. I think there was four or five finals that didn't go off. Smita's two finals being two of the five or four, however many it was. Uh, but yeah, Smita picking up where he left off, like uh, where you would expect. He is the reigning Jags All-Stars champion in Super Street. Obviously a tough, tough competitor in whatever he gets behind the wheel. Um, starting his 2019 season off right. We'll see if he can finish either or both of those final rounds when they do resume. Of the racing that did get completed, notable to me, perennial top 10 finisher in top dragster. Also Shameless plug, member of This Is Bracket Racing Elite, J.B. Strasswig. J.B. got the win in top dragster. And Ricky Decker, who uh, has been to two races thus far in 2019. Ricky Decker, uh, most of you would recognize as a former NHRA Superstock World Champion. There's a long way to go, and Marion Stevenson started off on fire. But uh, Ricky Decker is very nearly two for two. He lost in the final round of the Columbus points meet to his longtime friend and traveling partner, Jeff Dona, and then followed that up in Norwalk with a win in Superstock. So batting almost a thousand, uh, been to two events on the divisional side, which they all count for the same divisional nationals, but you have to claim more of less events from the divisional side. So I'd argue the divisional side is a little bit more important and uh, he has been to two finals already. So keep an eye on Ricky Decker. I think he's just because he's only been to two races. He's currently sitting outside the top 100. That's a man that's going to make some noise and have a say in this year's championship battle without question. Yeah, definitely sounds like that is a very likely scenario, Luke. And uh, the Division 7 Lucas Oil race was contested at Auto Club Dragway out in California. And just a couple of things of note here that uh, Kremlich continues to win in ways with a top sportsman win. Certainly a good start to his year. And uh, our boy Riz, Rizzo, Kyle Rizzoli gets a super stock win. He was my pick to win Superstock a couple of years ago in the, in our NHRA pickums and decided not to do any racing. And uh, now that we don't do that, uh, he just kind of winning everything, or but he's getting late in the rounds and everything. So good job it, by Rizzo. It's a conspiracy against you, Jed. It's, it has to be. That's what, what it all comes back to. Looks like Elite had another top performer. Another shameless plug, Dave Gotts, Super Street winner at Fontana. I believe it was his first divisional event win, so shouts to Dave. And the only other thing that jumped out to me was as I was going through this, the results, your Super Comp winner, a young man named, by the name of Ryan Diostato. Yes? Yeah. Oh, uh, sure. Perfect. Okay. Nailed it. Ryan, it says here it was his second Lucas Oil Divisional event win. So, obviously familiar with the confines of the winner circle. Well, what jumped out to me, Big Ted, was the box score. We're going to throw out his 46 lamp in round two. If you discard that, he was 16 in the final. So, that's a human reaction time. Beyond that, the other five rounds of competition, no worse than 009. Sprinkling a couple of 005s, a 004. Uh, a lot of, in the final, he matched the index at 890, but a bunch of 891s. Ryan was laying down some nasty runs out in Fontana, so well-deserved victory for him. 
Yeah, great job by Ryan. And uh, right there in the middle of his box score is names like Zach Mazier, Thomas Bayer, Bobby Dye Jr. So definitely didn't have an easy row, but uh, he was making it hard on those guys with those double O reaction times back to back to back to back to back to back. And uh, very well done by him, as you said. And Luke, that'll take us to back. That'll take us to uh, some uh, bracket racing where. We uh, will start out with the uh, Great American Bracket Race and Dream Team Challenge. At Let me do it. Let me do it. Let me do it. <laughs> can I do it? You can do it. Scotty's back. Scotty's back. Scotty's back. Scotty's back. <laughs> so, I mean, I think everybody understands the concept. And, and so there was bracket races, normal bracket races around it. But Saturday was the Dream Team Challenge where anyone could – put a team in where well, they had up to 32 teams in top bulb and i think uh 32 available in bottom bulb where well, they didn't quite feel that i think there was in the 20s but so you could put a team together of five racers and go compete in either top or bottom well uh the the richardson boys decided they had five guys that could compete in both same team both classes i mean that's just that's kind of a little bit cocky you know what i mean i mean <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're pretty good at one of them. Oh, oh, it ain't bragging if you can back it up. <laughs> well, apparently it ain't bragging because they did back it up. So I don't think this is a surprise to anybody listening, but the Richardson boys, uh, and, and we say that a little bit lightly because Brad Pleward was part of the team. By the way, well, we'll get into that in a second. So the Richardson boys take a team of four Richardsons, Edmund and, and two of his sons and Scotty, and, and they have Brad Plourd on their team. And they it was, compete. Uh, it was Edmund, Scotty, Blake, and Austin. That's correct. And, uh, and they, they compete in both classes with the same team. Well, obviously, they're all accomplished racers, even Austin and, and Blake at young ages. But these guys go out, Luke. And not only win the top bulb category, they win the bottom bulb category. And this is all foot brake, by the way. It was if you had your hand on a button in the bottom bulb, you better be in reverse. They win both classes. It's incredible because I would have bet anything it couldn't be done. It's just with the same five. No, and and the same five cars, right? Well, no, they had no, a couple, no, they had a couple dragsters. Dragsters. Yeah, they had yep, a couple yep, of dragsters yep. in the top bulb. No, that's mean. I, I don't even know that there was another team entered in both categories, much less to win them both. But realistically, Scotty and Edmund, arguably two of the top five at worst to ever do it. Yes. The bloodlines run true. So you know that Blake and Austin have uh, have shown repeatedly over the last few years that they got plenty of talent. And then you throw Brad Plourd into the mix, Mr. Versatile. I guess it's no huge shock, but to run the table at a race of that nature and in the tournament atmosphere, yeah, that's impressive. (laughs) As much respect as I've got for those five guys, I certainly would have taken the field, right? 100% would have taken the field. (laughs) And I was talking about their team just a little bit ago, and I said I'll get back to that. But So Scotty and and Austin or Blake, one mentioned it on Facebook, Scotty carried the team. Between both top and bottom, he lost one run – from round one all the way to the finals between those two categories. He got beat one time. He's got his back. He's got his back. Yeah. I mean, Scotty Richardson is like, although it's impressive, you, you're like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Scotty's obviously one of the best to ever do it. And, and some eyes, 
definitely could argue he's the best. But I still feel like, and I mentioned it several shows ago, that we were talking top fives and all that. And I said, Brad Plourd's one of those guys that just, he doesn't get the credit. I mean, this guy drives a buggy over 200 miles per hour, hits the bottom, wins comp. Just got in that thing, started racing it like it was no big deal. The guy can drive anything. He breaks his car in the time trial is Nova. And he goes, binds a Camaro to drive, gets in it, and really helps the team win. He was a contributor. He, he didn't just sit back there and, and win races that was after it was already decided. So I still feel like Brad Plourd is one of the most versatile and talented racers. And this guy could have been the difference on this team, even though it was full of Richardsons, which any team's going to be dominant. It's full of Richardsons. Brad Plourd has now run four Dream Team races and one All-State race, which is five total, and he's three out of five winners on his team. I, that that guy's a difference maker. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up. Brad Plourd's a difference maker. The guy's super talented, can drive anything and drive it well. It's the Richardsons. Okay, we know they're winners. They don't need any help, but if they did go outside of the family to get help, they picked the perfect guy. Because he is a difference maker. No question. It, thoroughly dominant and very impressive performances from Team Richardson plus the Brad. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, so we'll cover some results. Uh, and by the way, huge crowd. 500 plus in the bracket categories combined between foot break, top, and you know the juniors that were there. Well over 500. A monster crowd in Memphis. The place was jam-packed. Congratulations, Britt and Galen. Phenomenal job with what you've done with this event and, and with this dream team deal. Great idea. Obviously, this was uh, this come from the podcast, so we'll take some credit for that. Uh, you're welcome. But what you guys have done with it in the actual race format has been wonderful. Job well done by you guys. And I get there, Luke. I spent Friday on the lake with the girlfriend, hanging out, having a good time, get home about five o'clock, going to ease to Memphis, you know, after traffic, settle down, just relax. I roll in after I get my tech cards about 9.15. My buddies saved me a spot. Said, uh, you going to run foot break? Like, no, I'm just coming to run the dream team tomorrow. And I said, well, you, their first round's in the lanes. They ain't never even running yet. You can go run. It's 9.15 Friday night. So I'm like, well, heck Yeah. I unloaded, go to the lanes and run foot break. They run two rounds Friday night. I get by both of those and make my way down to, I think, 17 cars on Saturday morning. And uh, the eventual winner, the 5K winner, Mike Payne, turned my 27 take one into looking like a fool on the scoreboard with his 14 total and uh, made me look really bad. And then goes on to win the race over Wesley Lockhart. So, a great outing there by Mike Payne down, out, I think, in South Mississippi. And then we'll talk about Texas racers quite a bit during this uh, results segment for the uh, Great American Bracket Race. But Kurt Harvey started it out for those guys with a 10K win, Luke, over Blake McNabb in uh, the, the box category. Obviously, the dream team was Saturday. Texas will take credit for the Richardsons, as uh, that is... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know where Brad fits in, but yeah, Texas can claim a clean sweep 
more or less, because they can claim the Richardsons. They got Kurt Harvey, $20,000 winner on Sunday, I believe it was, Corey Galletti. And uh, the weekend wrapped with a $10,000 win for Hunter Patton. So Lone Star State in full force. Yeah, pretty ridiculous uh, what uh, the Texas natives and uh, the ones that still reside there accomplished over the weekend in Memphis. Really, really outstanding performance by all those guys. Sunday, or actually uh, Friday's box final was, uh, well, you just you just talked about that, didn't you? Corey Galletti got that. And then Sunday, as you said, was Honey Wayne. And Sunday's foot break, $10,000 winner, was uh, Luke Siebert. Got the win over Josh Lynch. Luke Siebert's a guy we're very familiar with. Uh, Siebert Performance, been a sponsor on the show and I think Luke has uh, participated in uh, a lot of your activities, Luke, through Elite. Yes, another uh, another Elite member. How about uh, not to take the the shine off of uh, off of any of your footbreak guys, and certainly not off of Luke. The the Sunday footbreak winner was Timmy Elliott as well, right? Uh, Nashville based racer, or that area. Uh, um, yeah, I got to win over Cody Barnhart, which Cody's from Alabama, and you know should have won because he's from Alabama. But in. Timmy Timmy shut that down. Yeah, so you got, you got Floyd and and, uh, and Cody. So uh, what were we thinking? Texas, I thought, won the weekend. Alabama won the weekend. <laughs> I, forgot, I forgot what show I was on, Jeff. Sorry. Yeah, Alabama, um, Alabama got a runner-up, so they were the dominant state. What I was trying, <laughs> what I was trying to get to there, and it was doing a really poor job of doing it, was uh, I thought the notable talk was uh, Hunter Patton winning the the final day of the event. Actually says here it was a twenty grander. If I had in my mind it was a ten, I'm probably wrong. So congrats, Hunter. Whatever whatever the amount was, I got the win over Justin Clark. But I believe it was prior to the semifinal round. Uh, Hunter broke his car in route to victory in the quarterfinals at the Great American Bracket Race uh, and Dream Team Challenge. They have adopted the rule, or I think I've always had the rule, where you can swap cars if a car is broken. Uh, Hunter immediately jumped into a car, I believe, owned by Brandon Taylor that I can only assume Hunter had never set in previously and just rolled through the final two rounds of the event. What say you about that situation, Big Jet? Yeah, that's very impressive, but it is a dragster, and I can imagine that they all <laughs> fail the same. So, uh, you know, that while that was a great performance, uh, really just tell me where the buttons are, and then it'll drive like the rest of these things. So big deal, but kind of <laughs> not. But no, all kidding aside, Hunter, very impressive performance. And it kind of got me off my game. That was actually Monday. Uh, you know, yeah. this was one of those deals where it wrapped up. It was a ten grander, and it wrapped up on Monday, and so we it kind of got us off a little bit on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday typical format. When this was Friday, Sunday, Monday with the Dream Team on Saturday, but nonetheless, that's how it went down. And uh, Hunter's performance was impressive. Uh, getting in anybody else's car she hadn't been in, no matter what, it's uh, and finishing off a deal like that's pretty darn impressive. Agreed. That's a unique skill set that I think is a little bit underrated. I don't think people realize how difficult that is to do, even Big Jed in a dragster. Not all dragsters are created equal. Even Look, if that had been the car that I have driven quite a bit, and it's been <laughs> right. sitting there all day, and I haven't been in it, and I jump in it and do that, that's still impressive. And he gets in when he hasn't and does that. So, impressive. Truth. Truth. Not to take any shine off of Hunter's performance, where do you stand on the rule? Well, uh, I'm a fan. I've actually been able, you know, the first time I saw this obviously was in uh, the the Folk Promotions Million 
many years ago, and I actually broke an oil pump shaft after I won third round or something and was able to switch cars to Kevin Pruitt's Chevy 2 wagon and get to race, continue on. I red-lighted, but I got an opportunity. I wasn't sure how I felt about it until it applied to me, and I got to take advantage of it. And it was, you know, it was a lifesaver. It felt really good to get to go on and compete, although I still felt like my opponent had the advantage because it was a car I had not been in ever in my life, but I still had an opportunity. So uh, we actually took on this rule at Coburg Racing Promotions events. It's it's helped some people. So at this point, having used it myself and having put it in place at the races that I co-promote, I'm a fan of it. I like it. I want to say generally I'm opposed to it, but I don't have a great reason why. And um, to your point, I've never had, I don't believe ever been an opportunity to take advantage of it. So maybe that standpoint, maybe that stance would change. Like it's not something I'm going to dig my heels in on. I will say this. I think it's a little bit of a uh, slippery slope. It's not the right word, but I think you have to be very careful as a promoter. I think you have to be vigilant in um, in policing it. You know, make sure that it's not something that's taken advantage of. And then, obviously, we we've discussed at length the situation that Randy Folk went through with last year's million and how he was kind of, I think, obligated to put Corey Galletti back in that race. When I think, in retrospect, most of us would have liked to see that handled differently. But the way the rule was written, kind of had to do it. So I just think a little bit of forethought from the promoters and now i guess with the hindsight of seeing that having gone through uh, you think about how you want to structure that rule and how to police it but i think the intent is good and then randy started that so you give him credit there like the intent is to to not penalize a racer for breaking something out of their control and give them another chance and as you said to still come back at a pretty significant in most cases disadvantage but at least have the shot i guess the more i think about it, it's hard to be opposed to that but i I would put the emphasis on policing and kind of structuring that in a way that is as fair and as i guess structured as to, to repeat myself as possible yeah, I think that's a plenty fair request, and uh, you know I've tried to make it clear to our racers at Coburg Racing Promotions events while we have that rule. Look, you go down there, stab the brakes, stuff your car in the wall. Don't come to me telling me you're broke and need to get in something else. It ain't happening. Uh, if something breaks beyond your control and it's irreparable, uh, where you can't get back on the track by round next. You get in. You can get in a car that's approved by the race director. Uh, you know, if a car was already double entered or something, we're not going to allow it to go down the track. You know, half a dozen times. But and you continue. You stay in that. You you can't have somebody putting a transmission in your car this round and then jump back in yours if you get by. You you stay in it for the rest of the the race. Yeah, that's that's another aspect to think through, right? Yeah. So we we've got some things in place, but it still has thrown us a curve before that we had to work through. So I think your request would be plenty fair. Like I said, so that wrapped up the Great American Bracket Race again. Wonderful job by Britt and Galen, and uh, they had uh, a monster crowd. So congratulations to those guys for pulling it off. They they did a spectacular job. Uh, Luke, the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular went to Darlington, uh, May the 24th through the 26th, 
And uh, I think um, there's something pretty cool happened there that uh, you made had some notes about. Yeah, this is an awesome story, and actually a candidate for this week's BTE Who's Hot. We didn't go this way, but I think uh, if you wanted to make the argument for Dallas Glenn, you could certainly make that argument. Dallas Glenn rolled into Darlington with an Elka Trucco. Shouts to the Elka Trucco. <laughs> And entered both classes, both top and modified, and however many rounds later, he emerged with two big Happy Gilmore checks, $5,000 on the top, $2,500 in the bottom, both in the same El Catrucco. Way to go, Dallas Glenn. And Jed, what makes this story a little bit more memorable? The name Dallas Glenn to you listeners that follow Sportsman Drag Racing pretty closely should be a familiar name, Dallas Came from Division Six roots and had a lot of success uh, early on in his career, n- namely in Stock Eliminator. But I, I want to say that he had some success in one of the super classes as well, but was definitely a top 10 finisher, multi-time national event winner in Stock Eliminator. And I don't know the timeline, but several years ago, went to work for KB Racing for Greg Anderson and Jason Line as a crew member on the Pro Stock cars. And as you might imagine... Uh, his racing schedule got diminished significantly um, when you're on the road 20 plus sure. weekends a year going to national events there's not much time to uh, to hit the bracket tracks in the Elka Trucco the Memorial Day weekend provided the opportunity for him to do just that and as impressive as it is to double at a race of that magnitude as impressive as it is to do it in the same car on the top bulb and the bottom bulb Quite frankly, as impressive as it is to do it in a freaking El Catrucco, I think it's even more impressive when you know that the guy behind the wheel doesn't get to do it probably a half dozen times a year. So way to go, Dallas Glenn. Very impressive performance. Yeah, to say the least. No doubt about that, Luke. That takes us to Maple Grove Raceway, Division One Lucas Oil Series. Just a couple of interesting notes there. Uh, Superstock Roy Kinslow got the win over Sterling Simmons and Joe Santangelo fresh off his super stock win in Virginia the week prior gets the win in stock eliminator over Larry Pappas name I hadn't heard in quite some time I think Larry's uh, slowed up a lot on the bracket racing and kind of doing the stalker thing now so that was a really cool thing to see him but Santangelo just gets it done I mean that guy just wins Luke all he does, Big Jed. It's uh, it's impressive. Do you, do you like what I did earlier? That's what we call foreshadowing in the business. So we we talk about yeah. Joe again later. We talked about Joe again later. Very well. Um, done. Super comp at Maple Grove. Winner was Tom Stalba. That in and of itself is not that noteworthy, just because Tom Stalba wins a lot. Like yeah. We're pretty well accustomed to that. But what was cool. To what jumped out to me was not only did Tom Stalba win in Super Comp, Emily Stalba got the win in the six to nine-year-old junior dragster class. So that's a pair of Wallies going home to the Stalba household. That's pretty cool. And wasn't unprecedented even for the event. Frank Aragona got the win in competition eliminator. That's Frank Jr., uh, defending reigning NHRA world champion. His son, Frank III, also won the 10 to 12-year-old junior dragster category. So that is second-generation Stalba third generation Aragona that big jet is division one royalty and the family family tradition continues pretty cool stuff yeah pretty darn special there for the uh, Stalba and Aragona families that's a that's a really special weekend for those folks so congratulations to all of you young and old 
uh, super guest was uh, Charlie Knopic, getting a win over Leonard Marshall. Keith Mayers won Super Street over John Leahy. And Top Dragster, uh, she's a very talented uh, racket racer as well. But Deborah D. Genova defeats Val Genova. How about that? Is that is that right, Luke? I mean, the Genovas raced each other in a Top Dragster final? That's very, what I'm reading. Very impressive. Very impressive. That's a special weekend for those folks as well. And that's a really good family out of uh, New Hampshire, I believe, if I remember correctly. And then, of course, uh, no top sportsman results that Sandy Wilkins competes in is complete without Sandy Wilkins being in the winner circle. Congratulations to Sandy. Third win of the season for Sandy. That's uh, pretty darn impressive as well, as always, out of Sandy in the top sportsman category loop. Yeah, when that rung up, I thought, ooh, that's – and Sandy takes the lead in the, the top sportsman title chase. That's his third victory of the young season. And while that would normally be a standout performance, and it is a standout performance. You win three races out of eight. That's awesome, right? But when I first saw it, I thought, there's a runaway top sportsman world champion. And then I remembered Bart Smith and the run that he's been on. We just talked about Doug Crumlich and what he's already done out west. And while Sandy has now won three races this season, he's failed to advance past round two at his other four events. So Sandy's, Sandy Wilkins definitely in the mix for this year's top sports and world championship but and he may even be the favorite right now but there's a long road to hoe but congrats to him three wins on the young season very impressive and certainly he will have a say in this title chase which is something that we seem to say every single season uh sandy wilkins always in the mix <laughs> yeah. for the top sports and world championship yeah that could have been a recording we'll breeze over real quickly junior dragster 13 18 was tori icono I can only assume that little Tori is uh, part of the legendary Iacono family. Uh, that's, a, I think, a fairly small family tree over there full of great racers. 10 to 12 junior dragster was Frank Aragon III, as you mentioned. Junior dragster 6 to 9 was Emily Stalba, as you mentioned. Pro Stock Snowmobile. We don't talk enough about Pro Stock Snowmobiles on this podcast, Luke. We need to get more of that action involved in our uh, weekly or biweekly segments. Brian Garbus got the win. The always tough Brian Garbus in Pro Stock Snowmobile uh, takes the win there. Super Stock Quick 8 was Marion Stevenson. Stock Quick 8 was Tex Miller. And Super Comp Quick 8 was Austin McClure. Super Gas Quick 8 was Leonard Rialto. And Super Street Quick 8 was Brian Sawyer. That's a lot of stuff happening there at that Division One event. So congratulations to all you winners. And... Luke, we'll wrap up the results segment with the West Coast Classic. Some really special stuff happened out there. No question. And that, Big Jed, is what finally, 40-plus, 50-plus minutes into the show, brings us to this week's BTE Who's Hot. He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. BTE staff is selected directly from the racing community. From sales to manufacturing, each member of their staff is a performance enthusiast. With multiple world championships and number one qualifiers, they offer expert professional technical advice for your racing operation. See our staff directory. Our commitment to your success is part of our own. Luke, the West Coast Classic at Fontana is a Forsyth, Chris Forsyth 
promotion. Uh, Langdon, I believe, helps him with that as well. Those guys team up. Wonderful event out there they had. Looks like it was really, really strong. Great attendance and some great racing. Our BT Who's Hot Racer of the Week comes from that event, and it was pretty darn special. It was, to your point, on uh, the West Coast Classic. This is an event that is in its infancy. It's been around a few years now and has quickly become, you know, in alongside, obviously, the Spring Fling Million and the long-running Boise uh, Nightfire event. This is one of the premier races on the West Coast. I think those are kind of the big three right now. And to your point, this week's BT, who's hot, it was uh, it was pretty much a unanimous decision. The way that things happened in Fontana, uh, my understanding is that there was weather on the way in the forecast for Sunday. So the decision was made to combine the Saturday $10,000 to win purse with the Sunday $10,000 to win purse and run for twenty grand Saturday night. The winner of that twenty grander was a young man who we have mentioned before here on the podcast by the name of Dustin Wirtz. Dustin has had an incredible start to the season. We talked about him uh, as the top dragster winner at the Boise Division Six event. Uh, he's also been in a final or two among uh, in the local bracket program at Boise. Uh, he won the twenty grander on Saturday night in Fontana. The runner-up, Jed in said 20 grander was a young man from the Boise, Idaho area by the name of Dustin Wirtz. That's right. Dustin Wirtz over Dustin Wirtz in the final round. It's rare, Big Jed, that anyone gets the opportunity to advance two entries in the final. Rarer yet when that opportunity is for a $20,000 payday. Yeah, Luke, obviously incredible performance by Dustin to win and runner-up um, the same race over himself, so to speak. But, you know, we're so entitled out here where you and I race primarily that 20 granders could possibly to someone not seem like a big deal. But understand that the limited amount of times that a racer in that area of the country gets to compete for this kind of money, and then he goes and and just runs the field off with a win and a runner-up. Just extremely impressive performance by Dustin Morris. Talented young racer, as you mentioned, already had a good year going. And then to come out on that stage, which, again, as you mentioned, one of the top three or four events that they get to run and, and perform like he did. Incredible job by Dustin Wirtz, uh, a very worthy uh, BT Who's Hot selection this week. So congratulations, Dustin. Very impressive. And there was other impressive stuff that happened out there, Luke, that, that obviously had another racer in the running, which we'll talk about shortly for the BT Who's Hot. In between that, uh, DJ Homard got the win over Greg Hicks in the $20,000 shootout. Again, twenty grand to where they these guys are used to racing is a huge huge deal and it it's big if i won 20 this weekend i'd be proud no matter where it was so great job by those big winners uh the homard family a wonderful family out on the west coast good to see dj getting that big victory and now luke we come to another guy who was a candidate and always seems to be a candidate when there's a big race out on the left coast and that's andy small andy small runs the table in no box and won both days. Guy's just, he's a winner, number one. 
he's got ice water in his veins. I mean, Andy, when there's a big stage, this guy steps up and is right in the middle of it at all times. Another huge performance by him in the no-box category, winning both days. And then another racer that could have been considered had it not been for those amazing performances where guys actually finished the deal and got the win. Jeff LaSalle, very tough uh, bottom bulber out there in that part of the country, was in three no-box finals. Uh, he was in both finals to Andy Small, come up short both times, and won the $10,000 no-box shootout. So many candidates from that event alone with some extra special performances. So congratulations to all those guys. Really, really cool weekend to see those multiple finalists. No doubt. And if I can... Well, and I know I can because I'm the co-host of the podcast. Sure. Um, take this opportunity for another shameless plug for This is Bracket Racing Elite. Again, one of, if not the biggest races on the West Coast. Hosted two 20 granders for the Top Bulb community. That means four finalists, right? A winner and runner-up in both 20 granders. Those finalists, Dustin Wirtz, Dustin Wirtz, DJ Humard, Greg Hicks. Did I mention Dustin Wirtz? All of those finalists, members of This Is Bracket Racing Elite. Pretty cool stuff. Way to represent, guys, and uh, shouts to each of those. Had to get that out. No doubt. So let's pay some bills, Luke, and we'll come back and tell everybody what's on tap. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available. Subscribe. And you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. Jed and I are proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises. That's BTE here within the podcast. Neither of us, Jed or myself, are strangers to BTE products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and converters exclusively since 1998. Um, that's 20 years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire adult life. My point, they build products that I depend on. BTE builds products that Jed depends on. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or, or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter designed for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at BTE Racing. Com. Returning to Keystone Raceway Park for the 2019 season is the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular, bringing $5,000 payouts both Saturday and Sunday for top and mod for only $150. Along with that terrific value, the Summit Sportsman Spectacular will feature a sportsman class, motorcycles, and junior dragsters. There will be round prizes, a golf cart race, and a racer appreciation cookout. Come on out to Keystone Raceway Park next weekend, June the 7th through the 9th, to see what all the Summit Sportsman Spectacular is about. 
Honey, where are we racing next week? It's time to discuss next week's major events, news, updates, releases, and announcements. It's What's on Tap! All right, Luke, uh, we're going to talk about what's on tap, and this is typically the segment where we're going to tell you about the races that are coming up, but one that I know is near and dear to your heart, and, and I love to hear you discuss this event and talk about how we break down each division and the competitors within it, but the Jags All-Stars is coming up at Route 66, and this is a very special event to literally hundreds of racers in each division that compete to get the opportunity to go race this race really special deal the jags all-stars race and uh, i know that you have a lot of thoughts about the competitors and the format yeah I, we i say this every year so i don't want to just be completely repetitive but the scene at joliet for the jags all-stars is uh, like the only thing I can really compare it to is electricity wise. Now, granted, it's I realize it's not nearly the amount of money. It's probably arguably a similar amount of prestige, but just the atmosphere is similar to Monday at Indy. It's similar to the million dollar race late rounds. It's just electric and it's neat and it's cool that the all-stars are basically their own show and it's early enough in the weekend that the majority of competitors still have a reason to be there and everybody is on the fence watching the all-stars. It's just cool. It's a really neat atmosphere and obviously with the folks at Jags being involved brings an incredible level of prestige. So one of my favorite events of the year and Jed, we've got the rosters in front of us. I won't spend a ton of time going through every competitor that has earned a spot in this prestigious event for this season, but I do want to go through class by class and the classes that we typically focus on. That would be super stock, stock, the super classes, top drags, your top sportsmen, and looking through the rosters, let's make some predictions sure to go wrong. So Big Jed, who is your pick to win Superstock at this year's Jags All-Stars? Superstock, let me get to that. There's uh, in division. Do I need to give the the rundown of who's in it, Luke? No, just pick one. You just want to pick. Okay, well, typically I would go Homer and pick Division 2, but uh, the Superstock category, I believe, is going to be a Division 4 racer this Mm -hmm. year. And that would be one Aaron Stanfield. All right, I'm looking. This is a stacked field, which every one of them is like that. My gut somehow says to go with James Antonetti. It seems like he's been close once or twice. He's not the blocker, so he didn't win last year. I think he was in the final. But I can't bet against this is home cooking. This is like you picking Division Two. But uh, let me go with Justin Lamb because if I don't, I'll hear about it. So Justin Lamb, super stock. Stock eliminator, Big Jed. Stock Laminator is going to be Division 2, Jeff Harrington. Do it, Harry. You're my dog. All right. I'm looking through the – oh, I got I to gotta go with my boy here too. Sorry, Justin. I can't pick you in both classes. Uh, give me the original Tex-Mex to win stock. I'm going Jeff Lopez all day long. Love that pick. Division 4 rep. All right. We'll go to the super classes starting with uh, my personal favorite class, Super Comp. Big Jed, where are you going there? Uh, this is going to be a broken record for a while, so just get used to it. But this will be Ray Miller, the third Division Two. Yeah, it's hard to bet against Ray Ray. I've got to be a contrarian, so where can I go here? Ooh, I like the Division Five rep. I like the Division Six rep. Give me Mark Graham, Division Five. 
Okay. Good pick. Okay, super gas, another loaded field. I'll, I'll change things up on you, and I'll make the first pick here so I don't put you on the spot. We've got, ooh, I like the Division One rep. This is taking us a little, oh, wow, the, 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 the super gas is, yikes. Okay, yeah, super gas. Oh, oh we, got, we got a Jim Rod Cap sighting. Jim Rod Cap. Oh. Uh, Division Four rep. Um, yeah, okay, give me... Give me Iggy. I like Iggy. Give me Iggy Boschesco, Division One rep in Supergas. Very good choice. Uh, literally a legend within that category. But let uh, me guess, you're going Division Two. I mean, this guy and his buggy, Luke. They're freaking <laughs> good point. Good point. They're winning everything right now. John Lavoux Jr. and his buggy will be your Supergas Jags All Star champion. Division Two, by the way. Go ahead. Wow, as much flack as I've given all the Division One guys, I think I'm going to pick another Division One guy. This is the surprise of the show. Uh, it seems like every time that I open up Super Street anywhere, Keith Myers wins, and he's entered in Super. Ooh, so is Jonathan Anderson. He wins Super Street everywhere. How about if I just take the Division Two guys so that you can't pick them, Jed? Let me go with Jonathan Anderson. Well, I just say you're right. <laughs> that doesn't mean I, I don't want to be a contrarian because Jonathan Anderson's going to win Super Street in Division Two. <laughs> Uh, I mean, in the All-Stars for Division Two, so. Okay, right. okay. Very good choice. Give me a top dragster winner. Really? It's Jeff Strickland, man. <laughs> this guy wins world championships in his Wait, sleep. I don't even need to ask you what team's going to win. This is obvious. Oh, well, it's Go a ahead. blowout. Division Two in a blowout. <laughs> Congratulations, guys. Oh, boy. Okay, top dragster, top dragster. It is hard to be bet against Mr. Strickland. Um, but I'm going to have to do it just because. Where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? Top dragster, top dragster. Wow. Okay. Uh, I know this makes for great radio. Bear with me. Um, okay, give me... Um, okay, yeah, I'm going with you on this one. Give me Strick. Uh Top sportsman. Let's see. We got Michael Cero in Division One. Ooh, you're gonna pick Division Two again. And wow, that Division Two team is pretty loaded. I gotta give him credit. I might go with the defending champ. Uh, that place owes him. He won't hit the cone this year. He might double. Could go with Lester Johnson. Not Lester Atkins. Lester Johnson. <laughs> oh no, I gotta go with Jr. Give me Jr. Logner out of Division Five. I really like that, and there's a Galiti in the field in Top Sportsman, so anytime there's a Galiti in the field, I should pick them, but I'm going with the Blue Oval, Dylan Stott, to represent for Division Two in Top Sportsman. Okay, so... At this point, Mike Crutchfield, probably, if he listened to the podcast, would hate me. <laughs> he's, the only- he's the only Division Two ranger I didn't pick. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, Crutchfield's good, but you know, Stanfield, I just felt like it win. And other than that, it's all Division Two. You just got your crutch and your stand confused, obviously. <laughs> That's been it. Okay, so the drama is gone. Obviously, you are picking Division Two. Yes, sir. I am. Everybody tell me how crazy I am till they No, that's not crazy at all. Like your division two team, in case you missed it, the comp representative, we didn't talk about comp, Van Puckett, capable, superstock rep, Mike Crutchfield, all he does is win the all stars. He's done it two or three times. And then everybody else you picked, Harrington, Ray Ray, Little John, Jonathan Anderson, Jeff Strickland, yeah. <laughs> and, and Dylan Stott. 
I actually Strick is a blocker in top directors. So that wouldn't earn points for the Division Two team. Their uh, their actual points earning rep is Mike Gerliacchio. Yes, Gerliacchio. Uh, okay, sure. I don't know. I'll and I just realized they had open is is top drags to representative for Division Seven. So well, could have picked Ed, but Strick probably beat him in the final. Go with the Undertaker. All right, the Division Two field. The, the Division Two field is stacked. But I'm going to have to be a contrarian. You know that. I can't just bet for Alabama. Sure. I like the Division Four team a lot. I actually like the Division Seven team a lot. There's, there's complications for Division Seven because it's so far out of their normal race comfort zone. And you just, like, that. there's enough pressure at the Jags All-Stars when you compound it by being 2,500 miles from home. I think that's even tougher. That's a stacked team that's not going to be affected by that. Division Four. The good guys, I missed that a couple weeks ago. Um, this is this is my way of making peace with the good guys. Craig Bourgeois, comp eliminator, that's a given. He's won everywhere else he's been. Uh, you mentioned Stanfield. He's actually the blocker in Superstock. Vic, Vic Penrod will be earning points for Division 4 in Superstock. The original Tex-Mex and Stock Eliminator. Christopher Dodd, a guy that I actually picked to win the World Championship a couple years ago in our pickums. Very talented young racer out of Division 4. Jim Rodcap. We can't pet against Jim Rodcap. Cy Hill and Super Street. Darian Bosch in Top Dragster. And the aforementioned Bob Galitti in Top Sportsman. That, to me, Big Jed, sounds like a championship team Give me the good guys. No doubt. Great pick. Great pick. And I'm sure they'll get close. Um, but they'll come <laughs> up just a little bit short to the real good guys from God's country. So, Luke, uh, great breakdown there and uh, fun picking those with you. Interested to see how that turns out. Obviously, it's going to be a wonderful time for everybody involved. And you talked about the prestige and, and why they do it, but it definitely is uh, is a feather in your cap to uh, qualify for the JEGS All-Stars. And I don't think there's a racer yet that hasn't hung that uh, JEGS All-Stars qualifier sticker on one of the corners uh, on the back of their trailer. Uh, and that's for good reason, because they earn those spots the hard way. They fight for them, spend a lot of money and a lot of time and compete against some great racers. So good luck to each and every one of you. I am a homer, pick Division Two, but uh, really excited to see whomever comes out on top of that. That's uh, it's going to be fun to watch it play out and discuss on the show in a future episode. But the rest of what's on tap, Luke, uh, May 31st through June 2nd, the Moneymaker No Box Series at Mid-Michigan Motorplex. Ledford family up there in Stanton putting on a great uh, no-box race for those fellas and gals. Uh, May the 30th through June the 2nd is the Route 66 in HRA Nationals where the JEGS All-Stars will go and compete. So uh, looking forward to that as well. It's always a great event. June the 1st through the 2nd is the SFG 300 Series uh, at Cedar Falls Motorsports Park in Cedar Falls, Iowa. That'll be 150 door cars, 150 dragsters competing for some big purses there in the SFG event that's uh, sure to be a great one as well june the 6th through the 9th the a summer slam at dragway 42 in ohio that'll be coming up again very soon a um, couple weeks from now um june the 7th through the 9th the lone star summer shootout at the texas motorplex uh, that's always a great one as well uh, tommy phillips um this this guy puts on a great event Luke. as you know you're you're very close to tommy and know everything he puts into it and you've talked about it many times on the show his format's really cool and uh, he has a ton of stuff 
collected from some great uh, great sponsors to to help the racers get a little something extra special out of that one. So you guys go see Tommy. Uh, same weekend, June 7th through the 9th, the IHRA Summit Sports and Spectacular goes to Keystone Raceway Park in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, we talked about that in uh, one of our uh, sponsor ads, uh, June 7th through the 9th. The, Ma- the Menards NHRA Heartland Nationals at Topeka. Great to see uh, those folks putting that race in June at Topeka. Hopefully they get some great results there, and we look forward to uh, talking to Austin Williams or, or talking about Austin Williams after he wins super comp there and june the 7th through the 9th the nhra division one lucas oil series is at new media dragway the domino family will be hosting those racers for a division one lucas oil event sure to be a great time so Sounds like uh, we got content jed that's good for the the future of the podcast yeah there's no doubt we definitely have content and uh, that was whew, that was a mouthful and uh, uh lots and lots of racing over the next couple of weeks for whatever kind of racing you like to do. So go enjoy some of that, and we look forward to talking about those winners when we get back together. And uh, that wraps us up. Uh, this episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, which is number 131. Wow. What a bunch of shows. That's uh, It's been a fun ride thus far. And see how many more we got in us. I want to say thanks to our great sponsors, the IHRA and the folks at BTE certainly appreciate all they do for us and helping us bring the show to you the listener make sure you support both of those companies any and every opportunity you get and again my favorite part is shout out time episode 131 big jed so if every episode of the sportsman drag racing podcast represented a minute we would have been talking for over two hours which is Mm. fitting because it feels like we've been talking for over two hours. I don't think, Jed, that this is the longest episode in Sportsman Drag Racing podcast history. We've had some marathon shows in the past. But I think I speak for everyone on the line right now when I can say it feels like the longest episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast ever. We are literally, as we record this, two minutes from midnight where producer Mark is. He Uh can't hear this right now because he's asleep, (laughs) but he's got his headset on. (laughs) So, yeah, shouts to us for delivering this to you at midnight. That's just the way the schedule fell this week. And if you notice, Jed, I I doubt that you noticed, but I could notice from this end. We've talked before shouts to 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 todd thompson for bringing this up tubby actually forced me to listen to the podcast in like at half speed which is hilarious because it sounds like we're drunk i mean (laughs) i mean i couldn't stop laughing and he and he could stop it was great but if you ever tried to listen on like one and a half speed or double speed you had moments in this show jed where you just went into 1.5 speed on your own and i know it's the result of it being 11 o'clock where you and i are at in midnight where producer mark is at and you're just trying to get it over with so shouts to you and shouts (laughs) to the midnight episode and shouts to the double time because i felt like at times we were in double time shouts to jim rod cap and jim rod cap and Jim Caffiello, as always. Shouts. I'm going to mess this up again, and this is awful. Shouts to Kyle Seipel, who tracked down the man that we <laughs> talked about two episodes ago that won Super Street in Sacramento with the Duramax Chevelle and actually sent me a 
audio text message of this man telling us how to say his last name because I fumbled it every which way two episodes ago. Unfortunately for me (laughs) and the listeners of the podcast, I have managed to delete that audio message. I am 99% sure it was Rick Fletes. And I'm going to roll with that. But if I'm wrong, Kyle, please send me another similar audio text message. I will take better care of it, and I will get this right. So shouts to Rick. Shouts to Kyle. Shouts to Joe Suchek. Nice work on that, Big Jed. Shouts to Flav Flav. That is Chad Trailer, the one and only. Shouts to the D. I've fumbled this one, too. The D. Gina. Wow. Okay. The D. Genova family. D. Genova family. Because in D1, it is all D. Genovas all the time. It was an all D. Genova final round in Top Dragster. Shouts to them, and I will learn to say it by the end of the year. Y'all keep winning. I'll get it right. Shouts to Pro Stock Snowmobile, because we all need more of that in our lives. Did I mention shouts to Jim Rodcap? To Jim Rodcap and Jim Capiello. I think I did. It's really late. Y'all have a good week. <laughs> Very well done, my friend. Guys, be sure to tell us what you think. Message us right there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. And again, tell us what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what you need more of, what you need less of. Whatever the case, just let us know you're listening. We need to hear from you. Or you can at either Luke or myself right there on Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, wow. B-O-G-A-C-K-I. It is like. And there's no bacon this time. It's just like. Degenova. And I am at JP11X. Uh, again, hearts and, and heartfelt thoughts and prayers out to the Ellis family. Uh, tremendous loss in that family. Everyone lift them up in your prayers. Luke, great message. Start to show about that family. Uh, Kyle will be missed. And do everything you can via that GoFundMe page to help this family. Couldn't imagine that kind of loss in your life and the financial devastation that comes along with all the medical bills piling up and, and things that you you have happen uh, as a result of an incident like this. So find that at thisisbracketracing.com slash Ellis and do everything you can to help that family. And we look forward to talking to you guys again in a couple of weeks. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer, led by knowledgeable professionals. Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors, and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling 
not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers. That's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.